Spiritual, not religious. Part 1. No boyfriends, no girlfriends, no couples. That's the rule. If you're a couple, don't come over. Go somewhere else. People looking to couple, that's what I'm looking for. Bring something. Something to get me high. Bring someone. Someone to get me off. That's what I want. People like me. My country abandoned me, made me a refugee. Come to Los Angeles, the voices say. People leave their homes. People leave their friends. Come to this city searching for angels. I haven't seen one yet, but I haven't been looking too hard either, so I can't blame them. Got to take some responsibility. I'm still hoping one will come my way, the blonde cousin said. That's who I want. People ready to do it. We'll do it Wednesday night. Then I'll know what's what. Maybe we'll find what we're looking for. Maybe not. Maybe we'll get laid. And that's okay, too. Wednesday night refugee party it was. Some guy sporting a polka dot tie said, That name is insensitive to true world tragedy. Fuck you and fuck your stupid bow tie. You probably don't even know how to tie it, she screamed, enraged at his judgmental audacity. Or maybe the bow tie was enough to light her fire. Oftentimes, she exhibited erratic emotional responses to otherwise innocuous stimuli. We're from Detroit, and we are authentic victims of seven-mile road oppression. So shut the fuck up and get out of our house and never come back, the brunette cousin said. After he slammed the door as only a guy flapping a bow tie can slam a door, she said, We're not really from Detroit. We're from Oak Park. That's where all the Jews live. Us too. But I think Detroit makes it sound better. The other one said, we're all about style, style and fashion. That's all we care about, having fun and getting off. It all sounded good to me, a place where a man could put down roots, make a home, have a life. It didn't sound like love, not what the songs promised. It sounded nasty. In that exciting way, doing stuff you aren't supposed to do sounds until you've done it. Sometimes it's disgusting, but... Other times, it's even better than you thought it would be, and all you can think about is doing it again. It was always possible that love could be found here. People who care, people who love, they lurk in the darndest of places. That's what he thought. A liminal node in the city of creation, film, television, music, intersecting. Actors dreaming their dreams, managers plotting futures, writers without scripts, without agents, agents with writers with plenty of scripts, Singers with bands, bands with gigs, bands seeking deals, executives in film and TV dangling hints of jobs, everyone scrounging and searching, begging, begging for the winner who take them and their careers someplace else. They all found their way on Wednesday night to the place where savage, short-skirted female cannibals crashed into ambition, pragmatism, chilled white wine, and drugs with stunning results. Predictable by soothsayers, prophets, seers, unknowable unfathomable to the souls blown to the front door by typhoons of lust and desire, tumbling the needy down Santa Monica Boulevard. They appeared around nine and got right to it, as the sooner they connected, the sooner they could get to their predatory mating rituals, finding the solace they sought in this city of lonely love. It's a good thing this place exists so these people, immigrants to eternal hope, can find each other. Arbiters of bizarre and deviant taste, consumers of advertisements published in thick, slick magazines, relentless shoppers, the cousins, occupied a niche so narrow there was only room for the two of them and those particular people with desire so strong and deep. They pursue a peace the way the deeply addicted stock dealers. Neither could be bothered with life beyond the latest designer or what are they showing. 
but they could assess the social value of anyone crossing their field of vision, computing the value of their wardrobe, phone, bag, accessories, color and cut, watch and jewelry to the dollar, and posting the result to mental spreadsheets with footnotes describing their taste, judgment, and a purely subjective column, how well they brought it off. Later on in the evening, skin-tight jeans over stiletto heels and tight tops and leather pants in the hot desert air appeared. People who know each other or knew someone who knew them and went to clubs and parties and stayed out late and spent money and drove BMWs and Mercedes and Porsches and Land Rovers, occasionally a Ferrari, sometimes a tangerine Lamborghini, and didn't have jobs. They all had something going on, something better than you and never brought anything, and helped themselves to whatever was there, and rarely said please and never thank you. The second wave arrived, voracious consumers exploiting the weak, without thought peddling hallucinations of success in our city of sacred hope and dreams. The cousins wandered off to hang with some artist recording in his private studio in the hills. They said they'd be back, but each person has their own clock and their own reference frame. Any trip to the store was as likely to result in San Francisco as a carton of milk. Keeping expectations flexible avoided disappointing misunderstandings, he had learned. A good rule for life, but especially for women in general, and the cousins in particular. After hanging with the cousins and getting comfortable, they announced that although they liked having him around, they couldn't be with anyone who dressed the way he did. Bagged chinos, faded polo shirts, worn boat shoes. They assembled a basic closet of jeans he'd never heard of, black t-shirts and a belt purchased by them at a boutique that satisfied their minimum fashion requirements. He had to dress that way whenever he came over, but they didn't care what he looked like when they didn't see him, so when he wasn't with them, he wore the chinos as a matter of principle. The belt was more expensive than his entire wardrobe, and he was amazed at the number of women who'd noticed it and commented. Learn something, said the blonde cousin. They settled on low-cut Chuck Taylors, black, and the greatest jacket he had ever seen. An ancient A2, one of them had in her closet, forgotten by some long-gone lover, and told him the next time he got his hair cut, they wanted to go with him to make sure it got done right, unless he was going to supercuts, in which case he had to go by himself, but he could never come over again. The small rebellion was a pair of red chucks, which the cousin said looked cute, and he wasn't sure what they meant. They took him to a stylist that owed them for something no one would talk about, and he tipped the guy at 20, more than he usually paid for his haircuts. He came out looking pretty good, and the open-door policy was reinstated, but he had to call first, exclusivity not part of the deal. But he understood. Bars and clubs started closing. Musicians, dancers, bartenders, and bouncers slouched through the door. Pockets full of goodies, arms full of desire. They brought the intensity of salarymen drinking the day goodbye with the passion of night crawlers catching the score. Fresh hormones, hard music, stiff drinks. They got to it with intensity, pheromones and endurance, the odor of love drifting through the skunky night air. Outside, the air was comfortable and quiet. Away from the base, heavy speakers, alcohol began to win the internal struggle of sedation over stimulation. Balanced between drunk and stoned, the only thing that could make it better would be to cancel any future. He liked this state and congratulated himself on maintaining through another night of excess. He was still standing, coherent, and could probably get it up if opportunity presented and the need arose, lust overcoming sedation. 
the other eternal struggle. He sat upon a step in the walkway running from the front door to the street, a stuccoed two-story built in a wave of post-war cheap multi-units. It was stuck above sunset, a wad of well-chewed gum mashed between its betters. It waited to be replaced with a line-to-line white box with ribbon windows offset by a big circle of glass and several gun slits. Floating staircases, granite counters, polished cement floors, industrial appliances, cabinets without poles, decorated with oversized oils of vaguely hopper heads, dead eyes, welcoming neurotic guests, causing them to barricade in bathrooms to call their therapist, claiming they finally understand what's wrong. A lemon-yellow modern couch, faux zebra-skin rugs, French bulldogs, shih tzus, or if they were outside the box people, long-haired wiener dogs completed the look. Until they tore it down, it was a lucky find for the cousins, an inexpensive vacancy in the high-rent district above Sunset with the view. Off to his right, towards where Tower Records lives until the last of us dies, yards rise in a raggedy arc chopped by driveways, flower beds, steps, walks, lawn ornaments, spindly-legged pink flamingos, faint light welling up from the city through odd shadows onto convoluted landscapes where spiders with hairy legs hunting, ambushing bugs bumbling through the unmowed grass. Eyes focused, spiders multiplied. He watched himself watching visions of arachnid slaughter, believing that as long as he suspected they were visions, he was okay. The spiders were there. He just couldn't fix both position and movement. Might be moving through space, might be at the cousin's might be sitting on his behind, might be run naked running down the street. These illusions, they possess possibility. Towards the chateau, more of the same crept down the shadowed hill. Along the street, ancient Mexican palms marched in single file, dead and dry fronds scratching from quickening Santa Anas, blown from bone-dry deserts baked in the breath of unrelenting gods. Ancient beds of ivy rustled in the dark as ratus ratus crept from their underground lairs, scurrying down crumbling cement sidewalks, sleek black fur blending into shadow, Barbie pink eyes blinking the code of terror and rage, ancient DNA signaling insurrection, surging across the walks, they squealed in their madness, anxious to find someone, anyone, to be their enemy. Erect tails sprinted toward the 90-foot palms and tint in, moving into penthouses towering into the night. Upstairs, the current inhabitants chittered anguish of the besieged, screaming obscenities at the invaders, threatening death from their one true god. Blood and gore, death brood in heaven. The tree trunks roiled as black masses ascended, rats climbing over rats to be first to the top, first to claim the city light's view. The long climb strung the horde out, and the defenders seized the first invaders and threw them from the top. They sailed between the stars, screaming fear and anguish, tumbling past their comrades who ignored agony and kept on climbing. The squirrels were big bastards, nasty and hostile, with no plans to move. They'd evicted the original inhabitants, the California Greys, and knew what happens to the losers in this city of deceit. Tough teeth gleamed. Biting faces coming through the doors, climbing through the windows, till so many arrived, the invaders came over each other, leaping on the fronds and scrambling till they overwhelmed the colony and hurled squirrels into the night where they soared away in upstretched limbs. F-18 screaming down the hill, afterburners burning, defecating all over the roofs of West Hollywood. 
Victorious Radish Radish danced on fronds, waving goodbye to the losers, fading into the night, screaming their songs of victory, sacrificing to their alien gods, to the leaders, the big ones, the smart ones, the ones who'd lag behind and let others do the nasty work arrived and fell upon them, savagely biting necks and faces with teeth, sharpened for the purpose of deciding who got the best parts of Los Angeles and who didn't. Bodies zoomed into the night air, arcing through the streetlights, screaming through freefall, splotching shorthand drive as the eviction process operated with the due process, the city of efficient greed affords the devious rich.